0: Kenny Garrett and I'm the pastor of the General Baptist Church, God's House of Prayer, located in Fairborn, Ohio, and I thank you for joining us for this special message from the church. John chapter 20. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark, into the sepulcher and seeth a stone taken away from the sepulcher. Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, and we know not where they have laid him. Peter therefore went forth, and that other disciple, and came to the sepulcher. So they both ran together, and the other disciple did outrun Peter, and came first to the sepulcher. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying; yet went he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter following him, and went into the sepulcher, and seeth the linen clothes lie and the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went in also that other disciple which came first to the sepulcher, and he saw and believed. For as yet they knew not the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again unto their own home. But Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulchre, and seeth two angels in white setting, the one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back, and saw Jesus standing, and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou hast borne him hence, tell me where that thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said unto her, Mary. She turned herself, and saith unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, Master, Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father, and your Father, and to my God, and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord, and that she had spoken these things unto her. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, When the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst, and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had said so, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. They said Jesus to them again, then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you when he had said this, he breathed on them, and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them, and whoever sins ye retain, they are retained. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see In his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side. I will not believe. And after eight days again his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless. But believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet believed. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that, by, and that believing ye may have life through his name. Now all this took place a couple thousand years ago, and as we read through those scriptures and understand what happened after that first Easter, we know that it's important. Uh, I argue that it is the pivotal point in the history of mankind, that that first Easter was the most single important day uh, that has ever been. But why is that Easter important to us today? It is because that it is the day that God conquered death and offered life to all mankind. So as we celebrate Easter today, you must ask yourself, do you believe And do you receive? Do you believe in Christ, in Jesus of the Bible, the Son of God who conquered death and rose from the grave? And have you received what he is offering to you today? Do you know that you can have confidence in Jesus? Because if the resurrection is true, it proves one thing, that Jesus was exactly who he said he was. He came to be God, and if the resurrection is true, it proves that. Of course, that is a big if, though. So how can you and I know that the resurrection is true? Uh, What proof is there? It's a big question and a good question, and I, I don't know all the answers, and if I did, we certainly wouldn't have time to cover them in this podcast, but... I want to talk to you today a little bit about the proofs that Christ rose from the dead. You see, in the Bible, we see a large change in the disciples. John Stott is a best selling author and a professor, and one of the leading theologians in the world today, and he says perhaps the greatest transformation of the disciples, or perhaps the transformation of the disciples, is the greatest evidence of all for the resurrection. When Jesus died, they were heartbroken, confused, and frightened. But within less than two months, they came out of hiding, full of joy, confidence, and courage. And what can account for this dramatic transformation? Only the resurrection, together with Pentecost, which soon followed afterwards. You see, this bizarre group of mostly uneducated men that made up the disciples of Jesus went on uh, to change the world. There was a change in them and a change in their priorities and their purpose in life. And they did not stop and would not stop recounting the good news of the gospel, that Christ was alive. There were several eyewitness accounts. You must also remember that as we read the Bible, we're looking back into history. But there was a time when the biblical letters that make up the New Testament were being distributed Uh, throughout the world, and and there were people that were still alive that could remember the events. And we don't have anywhere in history where it's recorded that they refuted them. Uh, But they accepted these letters as fact, that yes, they were saying that is the way that it was. And Christ appeared uh, 11 times, it's recorded in the Bible. After his death, he appeared to individuals, he appeared to the disciples, and one time he appeared to a group of over 500 people. So when the biblical accounts, when these accounts are being written, uh, most of these people, like I said, are still alive, and they could have denied that it ever happened, but they didn't. He appeared to groups of people, um, and you can't have that, out and you can't explain that away uh, by saying that the individuals were mistaken, or it was hallucinations or something. When you have 500 different people experiencing the same thing, At the same time. now beyond looking into the past. We also have modern day accounts. When you look into the changed lives of the disciples. That's all wonderful. But we can look around us in our communities. And in our family and in our churches. And still see Jesus changing lives today. Many of us listening to this. Know that to be true by our personal experiences. I certainly do. We have a relationship with Christ today. Our lives have been transformed. And the power to change our lives is only a reality because Christ rose from the dead and is alive today. When we look back into history, we know that the Roman and the Jewish leaders could not disprove it. Uh, They tried to, they desperately wanted to, but they could not. Uh, They could not produce the body, and they could not show that the body was stolen. They couldn't say that he was in a different grave, and they couldn't explain why the highly trained guards failed. They could not explain away the appearances. They all had the motivation and the power in the world to squash this new religion, but they simply were not able to do because they could not disprove it. For me personally, one of the greatest proofs that the resurrection took place is that the disciples were willing to die for their beliefs. So as we look back and think on the lives of the disciples, we must realize that they had nothing to gain. You know, the disciples would be beaten and imprisoned, persecuted and killed for their beliefs. I'm aware that there have been plenty of people throughout history who have died for their faith, whether what they believed was true or not. We've seen this in recent years with terrorists and suicide bombings. Uh, And this is true, that people will die for for their faith if they believe it is true. But it's also uh, an equal reality that people will not die for their faith if they know it's false. Nobody dies for a lie. John Singleton Copley, one of the greatest legal minds in history, three times Uh, The High Chancellor of England declared, I know what evidence is, and evidence like that for the resurrection has never been broken down yet. And Lee Strobel, a journalist uh, at the Chicago Tribune, uh, admits that he was a skeptic and an atheist, and he described his position this way. He said, I had read just enough philosophy and history to support, to find support for my skepticism, A fact here, a scientific theory there, a pithy quote, a clever argument. Sure, I could see some gaps and inconsistencies, but I had a strong motivation to ignore them. A self-serving and immoral lifestyle that I would be compelled to abandon if I were ever to change my views and become a follower of Jesus. But when Lee Strobel was forced to reevaluate the evidence for Christ, he had to conclude that the resurrection did occur that Jesus was who he said he was. In fact, he's put out an excellent book that you might want to get a hold of. It's called A Case for Christ. And it's a great book examining the evidence of Christ and the resurrection. You see, those disciples had that evidence. They were the first ones to declare that Christ was yet alive, that he was who he said he was, that he was God and that he had conquered death. And that there was life eternally to have. And they knew if it was the truth or not. And every single one of them was willing to die uh, for that statement. You see, they were the the carriers of the gospel. Um, and it's hard to silence something that people know uh, within their heart. They were, like I said, the first people to carry that message. So Easter to us today means that we can have confidence in Christ because he is who he says he is. The proof is there. He is risen. But now you must decide, do you believe or not? Do you receive his gift of eternal life or not? Do you know that as you listen to this, you can have a new life, a life of purpose? The Bible says, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. You can have a life of passion. Passion can be defined as an intense, emotion-compelling action, a strong devotion to some object, activity, or concept. It's the longing of your heart, it's your vision, it's your dream, it's your calling. And it's given to you by God. The Apostle Paul wrote, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. You and I can have a life of possibility. Nothing will be impossible for us if we're living the new life Christ offers. The Bible says I can do all things through Christ which strengthen me. We can have a life of purity. Um, Who gave himself, the Bible says, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. You and I can have a life of permanence. D.L. Moody lived during the 1800s and was uh, one of the most influential men of his time, and as he was approaching his death, this is what he said. "Some day you'll read in the papers that D.L. Moody of East Northfield is dead, but don't you believe a word of it. At that moment, I shall be more alive than I am now. I was born of the flesh in 1837. I was born of the Spirit in 1856. That which is born of the flesh may die, but that which is born of the Spirit will live forever. And the body of D.L. Moody Moody, uh, died about 120 years ago. And that's what the death certificate says. But in truth, he is alive and well today and will spend eternity in the presence of God because Christ gave him a new life of permanence. The Bible says in the third chapter of John, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The life is there, abundant, everlasting life. It is on the table offered to you and I, but you must decide if you will receive it or not. Do you know this Easter that you can be forgiven? One day Christ was teaching a crowd of people when a group of men brought a crippled friend to Jesus to be healed. And uh, Jesus looked at the man and told him, My friend, your sins are forgiven. And this made uh, some of the people who were there quite upset. And this is what they said. The Bible records, Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? We've already talked about how if the resurrection really happened, Then Jesus is who he claimed to be, and that means he does, in fact, have the power to forgive. He can forgive me, and he can forgive you. It's one of our basic human needs, and one of God's greatest gifts. During the Last Supper, Jesus ate before he was arrested and killed. And he took a glass of wine, and he used it as a metaphor when he told his followers, For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many, for the remission of sins. And what Jesus was saying was that through his death, the price would be paid for our sins. We would be spared and forgiven, that someone else would take on the penalty of our sinful lifestyles and choices and actions. But Throughout the years, many people have promised things only to be incapable of delivering them. Think about some of the promises that you've been that have been made to you and that haven't been kept. Promises like your car will be ready in an hour, this won't hurt a bit, this won't take long, that sort of thing. Now, do people mean to break those promises when they made them to us? I don't think so. They were just incapable of keeping them. But Christ promised that He would forgive me for the wrongs that I have done, for my sins. How do I know that He can keep that promise? The Bible says, and if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain. Ye are yet in your sins. Jesus promised that he would forgive us, but the only way that we can have any kind of assurance of that, that he's even remotely capable of delivering on that promise, is because he rose from the dead. Because that first Easter took place, proving that he is God and has the power and the position to forgive us. Christ's forgiveness is real. It's freely offered to you, but you must decide if you'll receive it or not. You, you can have hope in the future. You can have a hope for your life. And I know that's a very important thing uh, right now in this uncertain time that we're dealing with. With the resurrection of jesus we who know him personally can have hope and what i mean by that is that we can live with a confidence and an expectation that we are never alone and once this life is over we can spend eternity uh, with him and eternity is a long 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 time the bible says blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us Again, unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you. And that wonderful expectation is eternal. That hope is sure. But you must decide, do you believe it or not? In 1887, 22 years After the assassination of President Abraham Lincoln, his coffin was dug up and opened because there was constant rumors that his body was not in the grave. So they dug it up and the body was there and the rumors continued so that 14 years later after that they dug it up again. And both times witnesses were present who testified that Lincoln was still in the grave. Three days after the death of Jesus Christ, similar rumors began to spread throughout the land of Israel. Only this time there were no witnesses who could say that they had seen his body. In fact, to the contrary, many witnesses claimed to have seen him out of his grave and even talked with him after the resurrection. As great a man as Lincoln was, there was witnesses to prove he was still in the grave. If one of our presidents or another leader in our government were to cry out to Lincoln today for help, there would be no response. If a scientist were to cry out to Albert Einstein for help, there would only be empty silence. If someone were to call out to Muhammad or Buddha or Gandhi today, there would be no help. But if you and I call out to Jesus Christ, there is instant power available to us, power to change lives because he lives today. The Bible tells us, for by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Jesus Christ died to take your place and to play the penalty for your sins, the times you rebelled and hurt God. And he rose from the dead, proving that he had the power over life and death, and he is now offering you forgiveness and a new life with him. I beg you not to let the opportunity pass you by. I can assure you that Christ loves you, and He went to great measures to prove it. Now, what are you going to do with Him and His actions and His love on Calvary? Do you believe in the Christ of the Bible, the God who became a man, submitted Himself to execution on the cross, and rose again, and is alive and well today. Do you receive the love, the hope, the forgiveness that he offers? If you're listening to this podcast and sense within yourself that God has been speaking to you in your heart, then you need to respond. You can reach out on any of the social media platforms or uh, through our website to us and let us know how that we can help you. You see, God has given the church as a blessing to, to humans that we come together as the people of God and nourish one another so that we might grow strong in the faith. Will you bow your heads with me as I pray? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day that you've given us for uh, this uh, time of reflection and the blessings that you've given us during this time of uncertainty, Lord. We pray uh, that you keep your hand upon our first-line people, the staff in the hospitals and the uh, first responders, Lord. And we pray uh, that you be with those that are sick and, and their family members as they deal with this uh, new illness that has come upon us, Lord. We pray uh, that you heal them and comfort their families uh, as they deal with this. We pray, Lord, for our nation, for its leaders, uh, that your will is done on a national level, Lord. Uh, we pray for all those that are hunkered down at home uh, and in this uh, quarantine, Lord, that um, and are distanced socially from other people. We know that this is not how you designed us to live, that you made us to be a people that needs one another, Lord. And we pray that you're with each person who is feeling that as this goes on. We pray for our community, for our families this Easter, Lord, that when we come out of the other side of this pandemic, Lord, that more people come to know you. We pray for an increase in your kingdom, that our lost loved ones will come to know Jesus and the wonderful Hope and life that is available to them. And we will never fail to give you the praise. In Jesus' name, amen.